Wagwan, everybody. Welcome to the Dis Afimi History Podcast, where we'll be speaking about history and as well family history and how history relates in terms of Caribbean people um, for the present as well as in the past and how in the past what that does and brings forth for what we are going through at present and what we can learn from our history from our family and take that moving forward so I do hope you enjoy the podcast and if you like it please ensure to subscribe like and review thank you coming on to the podcast and speaking about um, your essay, Honoring Caribbean Folk Culture, a personal reflection. And before we start, I'll have you just uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much, even for reaching out to me. It's a pleasure. Um, I, my name is Glenda Rose Nasuma Lane. Nasuma is my pen name, basically and also my middle name. Um, I am a researcher, I am a writer, I'm a performer, a, a performing artist, I a consult, cultural consultant, arts administrator, and basically that's where I am with many other names to my, <laughs> yeah. many other titles to my name, but I guess that will give you an idea mm-hmm. of, um, you know, who I am by stating that, you know, a researcher, academic, you know, that kind of thing, yeah? Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much for that. And then, you know, we'll start here as to, firstly, you know, just your motivation for writing this article. Oh, to write this article, the article, okay. So my motivation um, stemmed from an appreciation for Caribbean focus and a desire to preserve it, I wish to educate and inspire others about its significance. Mm-hmm. And um, this came about based on my connection and memories, right, that I had as growing up, which were fond memories, growing up as a child, right, experiencing this, this Caribbean folk culture. Um, it really influenced my perspective. If I may just delve delve a little deeper, I will say that um, the connection to it is one that has instilled pride in in, in me, right? Because of the uniqueness, you know, the uniqueness of the Caribbean folk culture. And that made me want to share because I felt that others need to understand where I was coming from as a person out there, person respected, right? And I believe also those other persons who understand it should also help to educate others about it. So it's not just about me. So I think that even with me sharing, other people will also want to open up and also share because I guess the Caribbean is a space that has so many stories to tell, right? I also feel a sense of responsibility to document and safeguard, right, these the cultural elements for future generations. Um, because I recognize that we ca- it can be lost due to modernization, technological advances, cultural homogenization, right? And if we lost this, it 
we lost our very being. Because to me, this is the Caribbean. This is us. This is the, the very being, our very being as, as Caribbean people. This is what makes us Caribbean people. So basically, that's, that, that was my motivation. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Because as well, in your article, you mentioned in terms of the title, Honoring Your Caribbean Folk Culture. Would you be able to explain why you use honoring these cultures and what does it mean to you and how is it reflected in your personal experience? <laughs> okay. Um, my use of the term honoring Caribbean folk culture in the titles speaks to the values and respect that the traditions and heritage of the Caribbean region means to me, right? I honoring these cultures means for me acknowledging their significance and celebrating their uniqueness. Um, it involves showing deep respect to the customs, the stories, the music, the game, the oral traditions, which was passed down, right? And how and their role in our development as a people in the Caribbean, right? So I felt that this that role of itself needed to be honored because that is what makes us who we are. Um, I reflect on my personal experiences and memories relating to the Caribbean folk culture, where the community, the old, the young, or should I say the elderly and the young, um, different ethnical groups will gather to hear stories from elders, sing folk songs, play games, share traditional food, and eat from what I like to call the communal pot, right? Of which my grandmother, who was from Kairoku, was one of those elders. Sharing these personal experiences, right? That was straight for me how these experiences left an indelible mark on the psyche of the Caribbean people. For me, I personally was both observer and participant. So I, I really had it nice, right? So I value the traditions and understand how they have shaped me, have shaped my community, and my and, and about my community, for example, my community identity, and by extension, the Caribbean identity, right? Um, for me, I hope I really hope that my documentation will serve as a tool to inspire others to appreciate and preserve the traditions. Definitely, and continuing on those traditions, because huh? you. No, I'm just saying, continuing what, with what you just said uh, with those traditions, because you did write in terms of with the oral tradition and how it does oh, play okay. a role, right, in preserving and passing down, as you indicated, for the Caribbean cult culture. What impact have they had on your understanding of these cultures? Um, okay. So oral traditions play a significant role in preserving and passing down Caribbean folk culture by transmitting cultural knowledge, the values, the history um, from one generation to next. It is the vehicle through which the social, the political, the ethical information is passed on. 
whether it is through stories, proverbs, folk songs, calypsos, you know, for example, in Trinidad and Tobago, we have uh, a statement we always use, right? And I'm, I'm speaking, I don't want to sound biased, but I, I am mm -hmm. referring to this because I think it is in the context of what um, the oral tradition can do. Um, we say, true, it is true Calypso that our history are told, right? Our history, our history are told through Calypso. And it is real because everything that have happened in the world nationally, I mean internationally, um, whether it's in the, in, the, in the regional space or in the international space, everything that have happened, Calypsos have been written on it. Whether it's on the South Africa experience, whether it's on the Federation, whether it's on Bob Mali, whether it's on the Caribbean unity, whether it's on CARICOM, whether it's... Whether it's on a national on a national level where we the political aspect, the social aspect, you can pull up a calypso that speaks to that. So I'm just using that reference. But this statement is also true for other forms of cultural expression, even in the field of traditional and indigenous dances. They tell a story also. Now, when we say oral tradition, a lot of time we think about the vocal aspect. But for the Caribbean people, oral tradition comes with characterization. It comes with a it come with a particular situation. So dance of itself, in its way of having a language, we know dance has a language. They, when you look at the indigenous and the traditional dances, the folk dance of the Caribbean, what you find is that when you look at it, I'm looking, I'm talking now not about the modernization of it. I'm speaking about in its authentic frame. When you see the elders dance these dances, you see character, you, you understand what they are trying to say. So they are speaking to you. They're speaking a language. So for me, oral traditions serve as a living archive, right, of Caribbean folk culture helping to ensure its continuity and relevance in even in this contemporary times, right? Um, the oral tradition, um, if I may continue, mm -hmm. they embody the spirit, right, of the Caribbean people, their struggle, their triumph. Um, it has been keeping alive the com collective memory of the Caribbean people, of the community in which you live, right? Now, from very early on, I recognized the bond, for example, that the communal gatherings and the communal pot encouraged, right? So, and this came because of the oral tradition, because something was happening. And um, given that, people came, people spoke. Um, so oral tradition often bring the community together whether through storytelling, gatherings of commun communal singing or folk songs, um, they foster a sense of togetherness and unity within the community. Um, they create opportunities also for shared ex um, experiences and socialization, you know, because um, there is where people will tell you things that are happening in their life. People and people giving advice, 
it, it, it was, it, it really it was the school without walls. It is here where, and it was a place, it was the, the, the um, I will say it also dealt with the psychological fabric of the society. Um, in that people had an opportunity to relieve, instead of keeping in things that were, were you know, were, were really bothering them. And the elders will give advice in their own way. I, um, they didn't, they, I mean, they didn't want to study psychology. But they went to the School of Knox. <laughs> school of Hard Knocks, they went there. And, and based on that experience, they will give advice. And, and, I'm, and, and I have seen, uh, you know, where, for example, I, um, like with my grandmother, I remember um, people in the community having probably a problem with their husbands or their wives. And they will come and speak to her and she will, sometimes the husband will come, you know, so and so, because they felt that they could speak to her and whatever advice, advice she will give will help in bettering the situation, right? Um, so these, the oral tradition really is rooted in historical experiences, memories, and um, experiences in the sense, besides the historical social experiences, because the way advice was, was based on one, on knowledge, on things that might have happened in their own life, right? So yes, it provides a window into the past, but it offer in, offer also insights into how Caribbean people view themselves and view others, right? So my personal experiences, listening to stories, listening to Calypso folk song, listening to reggae music, listening to all sorts of genre mm -hmm. work from all over the place, right? In throughout the Caribbean, um, and being schooled by proverbs from elders and participating in communal gatherings have allowed me personally to appreciate the richness and the significance of these traditions. Definitely, and it's very much so to the community aspect of it. What? Excuse me? I'm just saying just for the community aspect of it, that it really reflects that in terms of the fact that you can lean on somebody. It's not that it's very individualistic like it is here in North America. Um, I miss... I, I, I'm, just, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that, right? I'm just saying that what you've mentioned, what you've just you know, said is that it's very community-wise. It's not um, individualistic. That's the type of the history. Yes. Right? And, and even more so, even that whole concept, you know, every time I, I think, and every time, I, and it's something I order, I mean, probably I, I have not heard people men talking about that, but it's something that resonates with me. And I, and I you know, I, the other day I say, you know what, look, at, look up this and see if it really has, this phrase exists. And that is the phrasing that I always use of the communal pot, right? So I always used to be talking about the communal pot, communal right? And I say, but why nobody else ever does mention this communal pot thing? And um, I recognize, yes, when I looked, I looked up the phrase that, that, that you know, the, the, the explanation for it was exactly what I was talking about, that, that whole, where the whole community come together. And I mean, or, or you know, and they, they eat from the same part. They so so that, right? Yeah. Um, when you see people doing that, they are saying we are all one, we are all one family, we all belong to each other. 
you know um yeah so <laughs> no no that's no that's great and and then of course with these caribbean folk cultures you're looking at the blend of african european indigenous asian influences would you be able to elaborate on how these cultural fusions reflected in your personal experiences in this particular essay okay um subtly in the article you will um it is there yeah um and experiential wise i can tell you about me mm -hmm. so having grown up in south trinidad right i had the privilege of living in a community with many ethnic groups so when i speak about the community and the communal part i am speaking about the community with all these um different ethnic groups in addition to that, my mother, for example, on her maternal side, came from a background deeply rooted in the Hindu traditions, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was a great mix of, um, apart from that, in fact, my father, in fact, I should say, mention this too, my father, his father, which is my grandfather, right? He was of Scottish descent. His mother, right, she was a maroon, right? Wow. Right, from Cairo, right? You know, she was, the whole family was one of those that, you know, went over, you know, went into Cairo, and, and, you know, you know, runaway slave that went into yeah. Cairo. So she was, um, right, so a maroon, right? And she always boasts about their Zulu ancestry and that kind of stuff, right? But then again, on my mother's side again, her father came from Barbados, right? And of course, he again had a whole European mix with him, he came as an overseer. So even from speaking about my experience, my Caribbean self does not speak to African, Indian, Chinese, but my Caribbean self is one that speaks to my ex to experiences, right? Because so many different um, contributing factors that make me Caribbean. And um, it took me a while for me to really come understand that because there was a time that I used to lean on one side only and denounce the other aspect of me, right? And then I realized when I started real recognizing and acknowledging that my Caribbean being is more than what I was seeing of myself, a sense of freedom came over me, right? And um, that sense of freedom gave me a greater opportunity to express myself and accept and acknowledge the Caribbean people as a unique people, right? So people, a lot of times, they would be like, oh, but you, you know, how, you know, they see you and they think that, okay, and then I will say, no, 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 no. I, I do this, I do that, I do that, because I acknowledge my Caribbean being, right? Um, I have a, my mother, and I, I, I wrote a paper on that, um, actually, early on this year, where I, where I spoke about my background and, and you know, about my Caribbean self. And one of the things, like with my mother, and I mean, this might be shocking to a lot of people. When you see her, you see a brown-skinned African woman, 
you know, nappy hair, right? Coca-Cola shape, as my father used to say. <laughs> but, and, you know why he would say that? Because that is what, you know, he was very skinny and she had size, you know, but she had a really beautiful shape. And, um, but she spoke fluent Hindi. She never drank alcohol. She never ate meat. She followed full Hindu traditions. I, I, so you understand what I'm saying? So even though because of her mixed heritage, but she leaned towards that. She never ate meat, never eat meat, never eat egg, nothing like that. Never a touch of alcohol never went on her lips. She was the first African woman that I knew and her sisters and they that had tattoo on their skin. You know, the, the marking. And it was Indian um, seals that she had on her skin. So I am saying this just, I, I also had an uncle on my father's side now. He spoke many languages, right? He spoke language, he spoke many languages, a lot of different languages, but he was fluent in Hindi and Arabic. Right? So he would sit down with any pundit and he, he knew how to keep a prayers. A Hindu prayers. Yeah. So I am saying this for you to understand where I'm coming from and why when I write, even though I might not um say Indian or I might speak more to certain African traditions, based on where I'm coming from when I speak Caribbean, I am speaking about of people who have a very dynamic spectrum as it comes to the ethnical groups that ex that contributed to the space. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the majority of the people, whether they know it or not, in terms of their whole dynamic of what their background is. Um, and then the other thing is, I guess, this speaks to, I guess, the rich history of dance, music, and art. And then, of course, you know, your exposure and or participation in this uh, cultural expo expression influenced your connection further to the Caribbean folk folklore culture. And how do you believe these forms of expression can contribute to the preservation of the tradition? Well, okay, so maybe... <laughs> First, based on my what I mentioned previously, you will understand that I am a living exhibit of the influences, right? Um, being a, I have been a participant, I have been an observer, as I said, and um, what it has done, um, the form, how what it has done is that. It made me, I am, I become the vehicle of preservation, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to use the, I become a vehicle of preservation. So how these forms that was handed down, when my grandmother, she died, when she died, I was 10 years old. And most of the elders in the community, they were already in their 70s and so on. And the, what they were depositing to us, as young people, a lot of us who grew up in that community, even though we move out, we embodied that preservation. 
in that, that remained with us, right? The difference, however, was that at that time, we weren't living in a technological advanced world as we are now. So that we carrying that light, that flambeau, we carrying that flambeau forward was much easier because we were, we were the transition children where from, the, from this form, the communal yard, the communal pot, onto stages, carrying it onto stage for performance purposes on, on, with lights and, and whatever, and, and song system and so on, then carrying them into competitions. And then the day came and we started to commercialize it. But what we did, we were able to share it, right? Um, so at the end of the day, the preservation that happened was within us. Um, it molded us. And what it molded us and what it was embedded in us is what we have, that vehicle that we have. We became the vehicle of preservation. This is where the depository was and continue to be for those of us who are still, are still here and still willing to accept it there. Yeah? Yes, definitely. You're the driving force um, to be able to continue with this as well as, you know, words matter. And how has words through song and storytelling impacted your opinion to the development of an individual and the greater society? Ah, well, this one is one that I will want to make a few points yeah. on because you asked a, a major question. So first, let us talk about the emotional resonance, right? Songs and stories, they're still powerful emotions in us, right? Whether good, whether bad, you know. Um, and that, and this is the reason why I remember long ago there were certain songs that you couldn't, the grand, the older people didn't want you to listen at all because, <laughs> you know, yeah. because they understood the power of the words, of the words and what it can do and songs and music and what it can do to you. Um, because actually they can invoke feelings of joy, sorrow, empathy. They can inspire you, um, you know. Um, so through this emotional connection, individual learns how to understand, process, um, and also to process and express their emotions, right? So therefore, we're talking um, fostering emotional intelligence and well-being. Then we have what we'll call words again and cultural transmission, right? Stories and songs, they, they carry the cultural heritage, they convey a society, a society belief, the values, the traditions. Um, and this actually transmission helps individuals to connect with their roots, understand their identity, and maintain a sense of belonging. The other one um, that I would like to speak about is education and moral development. So many stories and songs contain moral lessons and ethical principles. Um, they are practical tools for imparting values, teaching right from wrong, and encourage, encouraging ethical behavior. If you want to talk about things like proverbs and how proverbs, you know, they, 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 they guided us and teach us, teach us, taught us things through proverbs, right? So it, um, actually they contribute 
to an individual moral and in um, ethical development. Language and communication. That's why I tell you, this one might be a big one in here. <laughs> That's okay. Language and communication skills. Right? So exposure to various words, expression, narratives, that found that is found in sounds, right? That are found in sounds and stories. Um, I remember some years ago, I decided to host a um, Calypso writing workshop. And I had um, a lot of persons, people like Dr. Liverpool and so on, come. They were the ones facilitating for me. And the persons and they who were the participants were there. First day, Dr. Liverpool came in. He came in with a very big binder. <laughs> and then he had me copy for everybody. So everybody had it. So it was like they're going, so they was like, wait, we, so it's cool. It's come like we're going to school because it was this big, you know, I still have, a, have one, a copy of it. And then he said to me, he said, what people don't understand, what we take, you know, for granted as a Calypsonian goes beyond that. As a Calypsonian, you have to have understanding of social context, political context. You have to have um, emotional context, you have to be able to understand about how things taste without even tasting it, how it smells without even smelling it, because your words have to be able to play on people's emotion, right? And what you are talking there is creative writing, what you are talking there is using words and, and expression and narratives to really emo cause people to emote. Um, so the language skills, right? The words, it, it really helps in the enhancement of language skills, vocabulary, communication abilities, right? Um, so in essence, they promote linguistic creativity and mastery, right? Words and stories, they do that. Then we have critical thinking and imagination, <laughs> right? But Mali just did not just um, decide to write a song and just, he it was a philosopher. The, the words and songs, that, that's philosophy. They didn't go nowhere to study philosophy, but they are philosophers, right? So these forms of expression often challenge the audience to think critically and imaginatively. Because when you hear, you actually, what makes us wave and jump and wave and do all kind of craziness at carnival is the words, right? <laughs> it happens yeah. to be the words, right? So they encourage individuals to question to analyze and interpret the content, fostering intellectual growth, creative thinking, social awareness and empathy. Many songs and stories addresses societal issues such as inequality, injustice and social struggles, right? There is awareness and promote empathy by enabling, you know, individuals to see the world in a different place, see it in, in a different way, see it as other people might see it, have different viewpoints. So that social consciousness that encourages that and the compassionate um, behavior towards society, the empowerment and inspiration, inspiring stories of individuals who are coming challenges and empowering lyrics and songs can also um, motivate individuals to confront their obstacles with determination and, of course, with resilience, right? So another thing, a lot of the 
words that you hear and other stories and songs and so on you hear in the Caribbean space, they offer hope, right? Right, they offer hope and they believe that individuals can make a difference, right? Um, they tell you story, you know, sometimes when you hear, uh, and I want, I probably should mention like someone like a Black Stalin song, when you listen to it, some of his words, some of his songs, in fact, all of the songs are great, but you know, when you listen to some of them, it really gives you hope, right? It's like telling you, listen, don't worry, things are going to be better. This is going to happen. This, you know, so they, they do that. They give us hope. Um, unity and connection, of course. We, when you're here, we, we always come together. People who don't even speak when, you know, they like the same song. <laughs> and then, again, we have shared experience because of that. So it brings us together because we go to concerts. We have um we have shows, we have events, we have storytelling events. So people come together, people who normally they don't see each other for how long but might just yeah, you know how long I see you, but I know you'll come out tonight. You understand that is a, a, a you know much time people say, Glenda, you don't know mm -hmm. how I know tonight you wasn't letting this one. So so um that connection it helps to strengthen social bonds and encourage sense of togetherness. Again, that came from because of the fact how the words, how the stories, how the songs motivate us to come on to connect to other people. And preservation, of course, we spoke about that, the preservation of history. Every folk song, every uh, calypso, every song that was written, have a story behind it. Came from a place that there is a story. You know, I want to, I don't know if I should, but I, in fact, I will continue. I want to give an example because I think we are speaking to contemporary audiences too. Mm -hmm. I want to give an example. Um, I'm sure you, every, you, you know that everybody is on the Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is the biggest thing now, right? And even though Taylor Swift might not be a Caribbean person, what, what is unique and what makes everybody old and young following Taylor Swift have nothing to do because she, she's speaking out for women. Not only that, but there's something more. And that is she's speaking to us. As I was telling someone the other day, I said, Taylor Swift has written about Tabanka. I don't know if you know what Tabanka is. Tabanka is a term, it's a, it's a slang we use in Trinidad and Tobago. When um you have let us say love issues, boyfriend leave you and you're, you're going through. So it have different forms of tabanka, tabanka, taranji, all kind of things we just call it, different things. But tabanka is a milder case where you're home, you're crying, you all kind of things. But she have written about she written about tabanka, she have written about post tabanka, she have written about tabanka while you're having tabanka. She have written. She have written about um being in a relationship. Normally, in the relationship, having the tabanka and going into our next relationship and wondering if she should go back into the tabanka. So she, I'm just using those things. She have written. So she she has written about everything that a person could experience, and I'm just using that aspect of love for for example, so that she resonates not only with people her age. But older persons. Yeah. So I have friends who tell me, you know, after I 
went to Taylor Swift concert with my children and my two daughters. I, I become a Swifty. I all of a sudden sing it all human. And it's because of that, right? And we talk, in talking that, we said preservation of history, as I said. So in saying that, what I am saying, the history Taylor Swift wrote from a place of how she felt, what she experienced. That was history, her history, her personal history. And each of these writers or, or the, the words that are used in texts and so on in the Caribbean, it's coming from a place. And most of the time, it's a place, it's always an emotional place, but most of the time, it's a place of grassroots. Whether or not you are whoever, it will come from a grassroots experience. You see, a lot of time we make this, we tend to feel that because a person probably is probably at a different level on the spectrum or they see themselves there, that they don't have grassroots experiences. Grassroots experiences happens to be about everyone. Grassroots experiences come with things like death, with baby being born, right? No matter how rich you are, right? Death affects you the same way. That is what makes that the brotherhood of man. That we we on we go through the same feeling and experiences based on events, right? So and you know as I say, in, injustice anywhere in the world is injustice. It doesn't matter where, and 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 you know. So that those words help in preserving history, and as I keep saying, your story, my story, is history. That is where history comes from, right? All of us have a story to tell, right? So for me, this is where I see, you know, how I see it, the, 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 how, how it has, you know, the, 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 how it develops us, helps to develop us, how it affects us. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. I know it was a whole lot, but I oh, hope no. I'm... That's, no, that's fine. That, that was great because, I mean, that just shows how we are connected as well by these words, by these, all these different experiences mm -hmm. as well, right? So, you know, going to that concept of identity is a definitely another significance, which I think you just touched upon as well. You know, how does that, how does your own, again, personal reflection um, address the complexities of Caribbean identity and its link to folk cultures? Um, so, the complexities of Caribbean identity are reflected in the diverse cultural influences, right? Mentioned. Yeah. As uh, we mentioned before, African, European, the indigenous, the Asian, you know? And the fusion of these cultural elements, right, creates a rich and multifaceted identity for us. So that when we speak about um, storytelling, storytelling is not unique to us, to say to, to, to African people only. They are storytelling. All the different races, they happen to have storytelling. Um, in the Caribbean folk culture, even though it might, people might tend to think, oh, this is just our African tradition. 
because we are our spectrum, the spectrum of the Caribbean people, the Caribbean being is so dynamic. Every race, everybody that we came into contact with helped to contribute, right, to that folk culture. Everybody that we came in contact with one way or the other helped to contribute to that sort of the folk culture that is the Caribbean folk culture. Whether you want to believe it, whether you want to denounce it, the fact, that's the fact. Because we all live together in the one space for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years we live here. All of our experiences helped to influence each other. It wasn't like the African people living by themselves in an island and never in, come into contact with the Indian people. No. So, hence the reason why when you look at um, cooking, foods that we cook, it's always, yes, a lot have a lot. We have a lot of African traditions, yes, in the food. But it is influenced also by the other cultures. So food is a food, I mean, food again is, a, is one way to see how that identity, that Caribbean identity, complexity of the identity. Food, the dances, yes, we have African dances. As much as we do have the African, authentic African, well, what we call authentic African dances, you will find aspects of our dances that really have other influences in it. And we do, we do in our folk, we do um, practice other folk dances that we inherited. So that, that's why I tend to use the word sometimes, I say indigenous and traditional, right? Because some of it came and got mixed up here and there, and then some of it is traditional. And those dances that are indigenous to the Caribbean, you will find that they are a mixture. Because there are dances that came from here, right here. We, we created it. We put our own thing to it and call it what we want to call it. You, you understand? So um, that, you, you see the link. That is where you see it. Even in the Calypsos, um, for example, I will use Calypso again. Well, in fact, we, instead of using even Calypso, I would rather to use Soka. Soka is a, a really, really a great example of that, that fusion and that link to the folk culture because it is Calypso, but it has so many other it has European influence. It have it have just about everything. It's a Kalalu, the same way. So you get that Latin influence in it. You get so that Caribbean identity. And it's linked to the folk culture. That is where it comes from, where um, our dynamic spectrum is what contributes to develop what we will call the Caribbean folk culture. You know, it is not really one or the other. <laughs> you know, it's not like, okay, my one is better than yours. You know, it is not that. Right? So, um, and in storytelling and oral tradition, for sure you find it there. In our medicine, you find it here. A lot of our um, herbs that we have, you will hear, you will, you know that there are a lot 
our herbs we speak to a lot about the um, influence also of the first people you I guess you you are aware of that some of the things that we use in food also that is that it, it, we that um, actually came from them we learned that from them some of the things that we practice right came from them when you look at our um, love for things like cassava for example Right, that is very much the Amerindian, the first people, and they, you know, um, that's where we get that from the cassava, you know. So yeah, so that is where I will see the link to the full culture. Perfect. And then, what have you seen as the challenges and opportunities that you've encountered or observed? Um, what are the challenge? What what are some of the oh, what are some of the challenges? That's what you are asking. Yeah. Okay. Um. Hmm. There's a word that I, I think that is overused. Okay. Um, that I don't every time I use it, I feel like it is such a cheap word to use now because everybody is using it. So maybe although it means the same thing, maybe I will put it in a phrase. So instead of saying globalization, <laughs> the word is globalization. Everybody is on globalization. I will say, which is the same, the influence of global culture. Right? That is one. That is one of the challenges. Primarily through mass media, the internet, right? Be um, the younger generation is more exposed to internet to the international popular culture as we know, right? So that is a challenge. Language shift. This one for me it's one that really um <laughs> it's it's I, I don't know how we can reach the people to let them know this is so important. Now the Caribbean people, part of what we did is develop language patterns, right? Yeah. Given based on our various influences, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so we have our patois, right? What we call our patois. And somewhere along the line, we tend to think, and even the older people, oh, they're not speaking proper English. Hey, no, we're not speaking standard English, we are speaking language that we develop as a people. We are speaking a language. Just as how English language was developed, it's the same way these patois throughout the Caribbean, they were developed the same way. Get that click. For me, that is why I'm saying, hey, hello. Right? Yeah. And um, that language, unless we start to acknowledge that the way we speak as a grassroots people is a language unto itself, and we respect that language and understand that standard English is another language. So by nature, we are, we are talking that we are multilingual. Unless we can accept ourselves as that. Because I will tell you why it is important and why I have it as a challenge. If I tell you a proverb in standard English, it does it, it no way it will resonate as if I tell you it in the patois where it comes from. So an example, a guy was relating to me a story about an incident that happened in an event that I was supposed to go to and I did not go. But thank God I did not go because they had you know, some shooting, whatever. 
the lead to them. And he was trying to, he was explaining to me. And then he went down and he said, you know, he said, girl, well, when I see how, what going on here, I, he said, I just say to myself, put, I ever eat a negative you? I ever yam a negative you? And he said, and that was it for me. So I, I was like, what? He said, I said, he said, I said, foot. I ran down and I gave you and I said. So I could not I did not understand because it was the first time I was hearing this phrase. And then he said, girl, I said, what that mean? He said, listen. He said, it's our own saying. He said, it means to say, you know, when you get scared, your foot does get you get frightened, your foot will get weak. He said, so it's like a phrasing that you say, I ran down. Every time I eat, you get in food too. So you're supposed to have strength to run. Right? He said, so in essence, that is. So I'm just though, if I try to explain that differently, it just will not sound the same. And as a people, we are storytellers, natural storytellers. When we relate a story for you, it is different if a person, a person come and relate that story in standard English. The Caribbean is the only place where old talk is a big thing. Right? Pekong is a big thing, right? And it's an everyday thing for us, whether you're Indian or African, that is a big thing. So that language shift, for me, that is a challenge. Migration is another challenge, right? And a major challenge because like with me and some others like myself who grew up in a particular um, society, we left. And really now when you, because we, you know, we leave because of different reasons and persons who are there now and they, they, and they are not so motivated then to do the work that was handed down, mean that actually the, um, the, the community lose a certain thread in the fabric of the community was, you know, was interfered with. So migration is a major problem. And then we have what we call cultural appropriation, right? That is a main thing, as you know, Caribbean culture, people doing music, everything, where a lot of people come in and a lot of us also go out, change up what was studied and the authenticity gone, right? Um, commercialization has done that. And um, it, it dilutes what really is the Caribbean culture. So that is another cultural appropriation for sure. Um, and of course, the main culprit, lack of documentation, right? No longer we are living in this society where we could say we could have the Caribbean will hand it down that way. So um, it is important now that apart from everything else, we document things, right? And I, I, I'm realizing a lot of Everybody wants to be a performer. Everybody wants to be a dancer, a singer. Everybody wants to be on the stage. And fine, I, I love being on the stage also. I, I do that. I, I'm fortunate enough to do both. But some of the persons who are getting on stage and want to dance, and everybody wants to dance and so on, everybody wants to sing, everybody wants to, they also need to understand that they need to document. But nobody's interested in researching. Nobody is interested in that. Very, when I say nobody, I mean very few. So you know what I mean. Because when you look at the few, it is like nobody. I am a part probably of the nobody. You understand? So document, lack of documentation, very important. I mean, that's a challenge also. So 
opportunities now. What what opportunities exist? So one, I am seeing where schools and community organizations can play a vital role in preserving, right, by incorporating cultural education into the curriculum, organizing workshops and events. Uh, media and technology, while globalization presents challenges, it also offers opportunities. The internet can and it, it has been during COVID, we saw that, right? A power to, powerful tool for sharing and promoting the culture. Social media and video sharing platforms can showcase traditional music, dance, storytelling. So we saw it during COVID. I was a part of that. And um, I, I, I know that it can work. Um, even workshops were conducted on, yeah. So I had like, it was five people kind of assembly. Assemble, we had the five person help, had two drummers, three dancers, and we showed step by step and did a lot of instructional videos and that kind of stuff. Um, cultural festivals, that's an opportunity. We love to host events in the Caribbean. We always like to align, right? Um, these events, of course, well, it's already doing that and it can we can do more to serve as platforms for showcasing and um, of course and passing on the culture. Intergenerational transmission and learning, um, and, and I will say pairing, um, encouraging dialogue between generations, you know, having, you know, other, having other mentors and, and, you know, mentoring with the masters and that kind of thing, you know, whereby people, young people, they have to choose somebody in the community probably and spend whether it's one day, or I mean, one, 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 one evening per week or one day per month or however that is another opportunity and they have to document and it could be school that could be a school project right where you know so that that is a way um collaboration collaboration between government ngos artists local communities um initiatives to preserve you could create initiatives through that to preserve and promote um, the Caribbean culture documentaries, right? He, that's you know even like what you are doing here, right? Recording, documenting um, oral tradition stories and songs, you know things like that. What you are doing here is one of the ways you know having podcasts and so on. Those are ways um, that we can create archives and digital libraries and and that kind of thing, and that will help. That's an opportunity. Then we have tourism. Why is it a challenge? Um, it also presents an opportunity um, also to do, you know, things like heritage tourism, and, and, um, cultural and heritage tourism and so on, but which, of course, um, will provide economic um, incentives. Now, one of the things that I want to mention here, um, in fact, I think I will hold that until probably later on, okay. right? But, yeah, so basically those are some of the opportunities. I think I will hold that thought for a while. <laughs> okay, no worries. So, because now I just wanted to ask in terms of how has the process of writing this essay or article, you know, impacted your personal reflection on the Caribbean folk cultures and how has it influenced how you engage with these cultures in your everyday life? Um, personally, um, I think because of the way I grew up, 
um, the uh, writing the article of itself was let us put a fruit mm. of what was already embedded in me, right? So that what the or the what the impact that it um have on me pr presently is that it need we need I need to write more. I need to do more things. There's so much to be done. So that is really if I have, that is I, I think that is where I realize hey you need to do much more. You need to do much more, right? Um. And because for me, it wasn't just about doing a, re it wasn't about a research. It was about a personal, ex it was about personal experience that I felt I had to share. And it was just about one more stepping stone into what needs to be done. Because now more than ever, I'm realizing, hey, you need to do more. You need to write, you need to, you know. So I think that, I, I hope that answer your question because yes. it's the only way I can put it across. No, <laughs> that's know? fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's perfect. And, you know, as we, you know, come to a close now, um, what message or call to action would you want, you know, people, you know, our audience um, right now to take away from your reflection? Okay. Well, one, um, of course, we, I emphasize that in the article, the importance of preserving, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it, we have a rich repository and historical, cultural, and ethical um, knowledge that exists out there. So therefore, um, the call for individuals and communities to actively maintain the number one, the intangible, intangible cultural assets, and also to find a way to preserve it in their own way, um, to understand and respect the traditions, um, because they are not just tales of the past, mm -hmm. but valuable tools for teaching future generations values, the morals, the um, life lessons, um, diversity and unity. Um, you know it. You know the whole. Thing about we know what it is. Let us acknowledge each other. Let us understand that there that it, it's the Caribbean space is a space that really is a rich spectrum of different ethical, I mean ethnical groups, and that we must acknowledge and respect each other and understand the contribution that each other play. All right, into making this space what it is, whether good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So that unity and shared value system. Um, the culture, which again leads to cultural fusion, you know, um, the appreciation for adaptability and resilience, right? Um, of what, you know, how all these different things were able to survive and fuse into something that is into a melting pot that became something that is so great that people talk about it. Um, also, um, let us use technology in a way that can really help us um, explore ways in how to use the technology um, to safeguard the, tra the, the traditions for future generations. Let us continue. Let us not get on behave like technology is not for us, right? Um, respect for elders, very important, right? Um, 
they are encouraged to respect the elders and actively seek opportunities to learn from them. And this is the point that I think that I want to make here. Um, I, I, there is a situation where a lot of people, and I, 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 I am very, I don't like it at all. But a lot of people, whether it's students or who, go to do research, go to the elderly, and they write, and then they leave, and they don't. Number one, they don't really acknowledge them. They do not give any form of contribution to them. On that is not acceptable, right? That is not acceptable. You are studying, whether you're doing your PhD, you're doing your master's, or you just want to, to, to use it for whatever purpose. I, it doesn't matter for me, right? My thing is contribute, show appreciation, show appreciation. In one way or the other, give a token of appreciation, plus make sure and mention where you got your information from. Acknowledge it. And if it's a book, send a copy to them. Right? You know, they might be able to read it. But the whole idea that they have it, when somebody else passed by, I have seen that happen with me. Oh, you know, um, in fact, I didn't help somebody, you know. And, you know, they write when they mention me, they look, and they will call somebody, bring the book and show me. Some. So they feel, let them feel, let them understand that we, what you all are doing is so important. Right? Do not use our elders. Respect them acknowledge them right because they are the ones that have the knowledge no book can teach you when you get it first hand from them community engagement right so the readers are encouraged to engage with communities and participate in cultural events and gatherings and so on it does, for me i just said i don't care if you like the person you don't like the person i who doing it or that is not my important that is not important in my book my book, there is a difference between being there, experiencing it, there is because you, you, you feel it come like ethnographic research without officially saying I'm an ethnographic researcher. It, because I was there and experienced it that I can speak from where I'm speaking now, coming from the space that I'm coming from. Um, education and awareness, right? Um, educate yourself about not only about from the location that you come from, because I, I have been in spaces, I mean, I can speak to that. Um, I wouldn't go on, you know, but I have been in spaces where people believe that they are where they live in the Caribbean, the culture that they is the best. And fine, right? That's okay to feel that way. But learn to educate yourself about what other things. Um, ex what is happening in the other part of the Caribbean? What is the whole culture that exists there? And how do we connect as a people? Right? Because the Caribbean space is a space that is one, you know, um, Black Stalin said it in the right way. Right? The Caribbean man, one race coming from the same place that take the same trip on the same ship. And that is why we, we said we need to push one common intention for a better life in the region. That should be the goal of the Caribbean man. So for me, that is the goal of the Caribbean man. And we need to understand that. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much, Ms. Lynn, for coming on and speaking to all of this very passionately. So I appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and write a review for the episode wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you.